0: Good morning, welcome to church. This is the Covenant Nation. My name is Soji Akinele, and it's such an honor to be with you virtually, uh, wherever you're watching us from all over the world. We're about to go into the word taught by our senior pastor, Pastor Pojiromade. Please put away all distractions, um, gather our family together. Let's listen to the word of God together as I believe that there's a word from God for you today. And I'll turn you over to our senior pastor. See you after the service. First of all, I'd like to say welcome to the service today, and it is always an honor and a great delight to be able to use this medium to teach and to preach the Word of God to you. i also like to thank you for allowing us into your private space to minister God's Word unto you. Now, I want to do something this morning before we go into the teaching of God's Word. I want us to sing a hymn unto God, an old hymn. And it says, it's so sweet to trust in Jesus. I'll be back after this hill.
1: It's so sweet to trust in Jesus. Just to take Him at His word Just to rest upon His promise Just to know, thus saith the Lord Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him How I proved Him more Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus Oh, for grace to trust Him more I am so glad I learned to trust Him Precious Jesus, Savior, friend, and I know that he is with me, will be with me to the end. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him. How. Precious Jesus, oh for grace to trust Him more. jesus jesus how I trust him how I proved him more and more jesus jesus
2: precious Jesus
1: oh for grace to trust So glad I learned to trust him. Precious Jesus, Savior friend, and I know that he is with me, will be with me to the end. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust. How I proved you more and more Jesus Jesus precious Jesus Oh for grace to trust him. Jesus, how I trust him, how I proved him more and more. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh for grace to trust.
0: Thank you and welcome back. Let's just say a word of prayer before we go into the teaching. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that we can gather unto your name this way. We thank you for the definite supply of your spirit for this particular ministration. I ask in the name of Jesus by that supply you grant utterance. I speak as your oracle that your word goes forth in simplicity but in accuracy and with power that our hearts be established in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and his light shines upon our path. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, this morning I have some grounds to cover, so I'm going to hit it straight and um, run with it. Now, we've been talking about and speaking about Uh, The principle of service in um, our vineyard and bringing out the truth from God's word that in what we term our secular work, in what it's also called in scripture your vocational calling or what we have termed secular work, that God is directly involved in it and with it. And that's the point where we first of all begin to serve the Lord Jesus Christ in very practical terms. That we have to get out of our mind this concept that you know our secular work is devoid of god's presence and then when we go into the temple of god or a religious center that's the only place in which we can offer service unto god it is wrong it's erroneous and that's why the enemy has been able to invade that space there and cause people to behave in certain ways from Monday to Friday, and then dress up and then come to church on Sunday and act out a part, which is not really the reality of their lives 24-7. Once people understand this and put their hearts into what has been called secular, which is a wrong word to use because secular means devoid of God. That's how far we took it, right? Once people put their hearts into what they are doing, and do it as unto the Lord, we will see that there is the most likely possibility that out of that particular thing, uh, God will be able to generate satisfactory progress for the individual. You have deep encounters with the Lord Jesus Christ there. He will visit with you regularly and open up doors of opportunity into your life and there will be nothing boring about your your uh, the the experiences you have in the field in which you labor you will have constant experiences with Jesus Christ himself and the father will show mercy unto thee and the scripture that we used first of all to define the fact that the work is really not secular but it is the service of God we find it in the book of colossians in colossians here and chapter Colossians chapter 3 and verse 22, he says, be obedient, all right, do what you are told by your earthly masters. Be obedient to your earthly masters according to the flesh. So he was talking to people who had a form of service that way, that was master, all right, and and was almost servitude back then. But it speaks to um, what we do every day in our lives, our vocational calling, that which we are involved with. And he says, obey them in all things according to the flesh, not with eye service. Uh, we all understand what eye service is. But as men please us. So don't just do it, uh, all right, with eye service, which means you think that all of the work that I'm doing here, um, I have to make men see it and do it before them. I can act otherwise at the back, uh, but play office politics almost like that in front of the boss, bosses. There, he says, but with singleness of heart, which means consistency, no duplicity in that which you are doing, uh, right? You are consistent. It's the same person we meet when nobody's watching, where uh, uh, everybody's left the office, the same person. When people are around and when people are not around, you are exactly the same person. He says here, singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily with all of your heart. Put your heart into it. He says, As to the Lord and not honor to men, knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the eternal inheritance because you are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. So put all of your heart into what you're doing. Okay? Everything you do in your vocational calling in that space, are things that you do or services that you render or products that you, you make available to people. And it's always for the benefit of people, always. Any form of work is directed towards improving the lives of people by rendering certain services to them or delivering products to them in order to grant or give them a pleasurable experience on this earth, or to improve the quality of their lives on this earth. And so, a person acquires skill and knowledge to be able to deliver this product and offer these services. Now, in exchange for that, people part with material substance in exchange for the service or the product which only that person or group of people who are trained in that particular way can offer society, right? Now, then the profits that the person makes out of the product and the services that you have rendered, first thing is, it has to be done in integrity, which means the exact value that was promised that individual when you made known to that individual, all right, uh, made known to him or her about that service or product, you must make sure in integrity that product and service at le- in the least matches that which was promised to that person. And if you're doing it right, it should exceed the promise that you made to that individual. So you are doing it with an in integrity. You are delivering something that people can rely on. And it's an act of love because what you have done is to give that person something. He parted ways with some material substance, but what you have delivered into the hands of that person should be able to produce, in some cases, much more than that person has actually given in exchange for it. So it gives that person a tool or a product to be able to produce much more or creates an experience of pleasure and delight in the heart of that person that right, just by themselves they will not have been able to experience that. Now the individual who now receives that material substance then takes this material substance now and then decides again in an act of love. This is how you get into the stream of God. All right. What can I do with this particular material substance to bring greatest benefit to humanity? The first responsibility of that individual through the profit that has been made, all right, through that product or service is to the family of that person. First responsibility under God. In other words, I must secure my family and make sure members of my family, through this, that is your first act of love unto God. First act of love. To secure, that's why the scripture says, he that will not provide for his own, especially those of his household, is worse than an infidel and has denied the faith. So some of the prophets that comes out of that must be used first for, all right, the family of that person to secure. And then the greatest form of charity that you can offer to society is to now create with the resources you have in abundant measure, create, all right, an environment where it becomes possible for more people to get into labor and reproduce the type of success that you have. And then the last rung of the ladder there is just to give financial hand out to people that are in desperate situations where they need safety nets within their life. But money must never be used to enable in people listeners. In other words, they believe that since I am in relationship with you, therefore, all right, so long as you remain productive on this earth, I don't have to do anything because I can always leverage of that which you have in your hands. If you do that, and create people with entitlement mentality, you're going to have a bunch of people in your lives you will never be able to satisfy, all right? They will demand more, and the more you give to them, in fact, the more you give to them, the impression you create inside their heart is that this person has limitless resources, and look at what they are giving to me, and they will begin to get disgruntled. So the understanding is, all right, after you've provided for your family, adequately that you create opportunities for those who want to work all right that's how investment started upon the earth that's where it came from it was out of compassion for people to create opportunities for more people to go into labor and then the third is to help people who have emergencies within their life, who have fallen into desperate situations, which is a one-off thing, not something where you are going to sustain somebody in a life of laziness. That's why Paul said, he that will not work, he gave them that commandment, if you provide an opportunity for a person to work and that person wills not to work, It says, let that person not eat. You can't support somebody if you have given the person an opportunity to work and they refuse, all right, to do that. Now, let's move on here. So it says this here, not with eye service, but as unto the Lord. It says this, and whatsoever you do, you do heartily as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance. So, I want to talk about this reward of the inheritance, and I want to quickly show in scripture what this reward of this inheritance means today. All right, we find in the book of Psalm 123, and this should be the attitude of that person. And it's this reward of this inheritance that comes on the inside or is bestowed upon you when you go about your labor in a certain way, looking unto God as the source of the work and the one who will reward you adequately in his justice system you receive this inheritance. Now, what does this inheritance mean? Does it mean that in the place of labor, you're going to receive landed properties? Does it mean in the place of labor, that's not what he's talking about? He's speaking about something in particular. To build up to that point, let's look at Psalm 123. Psalm 123. Unto thee lift I up my eyes, O Lord that dwelleth in the heaven. Behold, the eyes of servants look to the hand of their masters. That's why they do things with eye service, as men pleasers. Because it's the hand of men they're looking to. And then it tells us the eyes of maidens to the hand of her mistress. It says, so our eyes wait upon thee, O Lord, until you have mercy upon us. So our eyes are upon thee until what happens is you have mercy upon us. So this mercy,
2: let me just say
0: this. The first dimension of it, it's going to be a rare blessing that is going to come to your eyes. Because your eyes are waiting to see the mercy of God upon your life. Now, I will describe in scripture a situation where the mercy of God was bestowed upon a person. And you realize that when mercy comes upon you as God's reward for what you are doing, it opens up the space of your life to what literally we're going to call um, um, the the vestation of God or the Miraculous power of God that comes in very practical terms to what you're doing. But it tells us that the reward is going to be this eternal inheritance. That's what this reward is going to be. Now, what's this inheritance here? This inheritance that he wants to give. First of all, I'll quote three scriptures. Let's look at Luke chapter, I want you to see this, Luke chapter 16 and verse 11. Jesus himself said, If therefore you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who shall commit to your trust the true riches? Now, so when a person goes to work, it says you are going to receive material things from whoever employs you. Or if you are an employer of labor, you give material things to person. But that God, if you go about it in a certain way, before the eyes of God, which makes you treat that particular thing that you are doing, and there's an extra commitment that you bring to it, where you are doing it with the whole of your heart. And in that type of person, there's a work ethic that is developed where the person goes the extra mile. And, and, and they go beyond even that which is demanded or asked of them. So when they are even rendering any work to their clients or customers, they even go beyond what the client or customer may have asked for because they are doing it with the whole of their heart. So they put their heart into it. There is a spirit of excellence that goes into what they're doing. And why are they doing that? Because their heart is involved. And that dimension there, which is even beyond the demands of people, God looks upon that and says, I'm going to reward you with the eternal inheritance. Now, this inher- eternal inheritance, Jesus spoke and said, If you are faithful in the righteous manner, He says, if you are unfaithful in that, who shall give you the true riches? So there is something different from the point I want to bring here, the monetary benefits that are given unto you. God says in the midst of that thing, I'm going to give you what I've called the true riches. And the true riches is the eternal inheritance that he was speaking about. Thank you. It says in Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18, that the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened. Remember we said mercy comes to the eyes. First manifestation. The eyes of your understanding may be enlightened. So what God does as he rewards you in that place you labor with his mercy is that light comes into your eyes you see beyond the ordinary. There is a recognition of opportunity. You begin to see things that others are not seeing. Now, you are locked up to God, we've taught this, in a system where you have put your trust in God and made him your source for the reward of these true riches that no man can give to you. So you are serving him and if you do something, and you, you, you look at it and say, well, I can put this material into this car. I can put this material into this car. I might lose maybe my profit by 1%. But this will make this person more comfortable in what they are doing. And he will enjoy this. And you'll have more pleasure using this particular thing with this material. Then the Holy Spirit nudges you and because you know you'll be rewarded by God, you put that in. In that way, you are faithful with the unrighteous mammon. Now, I, I don't spend too much time on that. Because you have even allowed a 1%, all right, decrease in your profitability there in order because of something that God placed on your heart that my creature will feel better and enjoy life more if you did this. So there's that compassion you bring to it, which is really the substance of the work ethic that always tends towards satisfactory progress on this earth. Now, he rewards that in his mercy. And your eyes that have been looking for that mercy Mercy makes contact with your eyes. and we say this. The eyes of your understanding or your mind will be enlightened. To be enlightened means it opens it up. It means the blindfold is removed. It means there are things all around you that you haven't seen. That mercy comes and opens your eyes to see things. That you may know what is the hope of your calling. Of his calling. Which means in the midst of that work, you will discover what your real life assignment is. Uh, You may have said, well, I just went to school and I read a particular course. I went to this and learned a particular skill. I'm not sure whether this, but in the midst of applying that, you will come to discover what you are really supposed to do on this earth. From, it will evolve from that particular thing. Then the second thing, which is where I'm getting to, you will know what. The riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. So this inheritance is, the Bible calls it the riches of the glory. The wealth of that inheritance. So he describes the inheritance as riches there. Now it's not material wealth. He gives you another form of wealth which is what Jesus described in Matthew there. As if you are faithful in the unrighteous mammon, which is money, then God will give you the true riches. What is the true riches that he will give to you? That riches there, the wealth there is his inheritance he has bestowed upon you. A closer look at this, to what this wealth is, we get to Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 8, and it tells us in verse 13. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil pride, arrogance, and evil way, for what mal do I hate? Then it says this. Alright, if we back up, it tells us, from verse 1, Doth not wisdom cry, and understanding put out her voice? She standeth in the top of high places, by the way, in the places of the path. She crieth at the gates, at the entry of the city. Unto, o, unto you, O men, I call, and my voice is to the sons of men. Then he says, O ye simple, understand wisdom. Ye fools, be of an understanding heart. Hear, for I will speak excellent things, and the opening of my lips shall be right things. Then it goes, all the words of my mouth are righteousness. There is nothing forward nor perverse in them. Then verse 10, receive my instruction. This is wisdom. And not silver as material substance. Knowledge rather than choice gold. So it starts telling us what those riches are. Wisdom and knowledge. And it tells us they are more all right, valuable than choice, it didn't just say gold, choice gold and silver. It says, for wisdom is better than rubies. So we are seeing what this inheritance is going to be. That God is going to give you as his reward for you going about your work in a certain way. For wisdom is better than rubies, and all things that may be desired in this life cannot be compared unto her. For he goes on and says, I, wisdom, dwell with prudence and find out the knowledge of witty inventions. And we're getting close to it. So he's going to pour all this riches, which is his wisdom, into your soul, where you're going to come up with witty inventions. Your eyes are going to be opened. You are going to start seeing things nobody else around you sees. And because of the recognition of those things, you are going to come out with new ideas, new ways of doing things, witty inventions. Then he goes on and says this. Hear what he's saying here. Cancel is mine, sound wisdom, I am understanding. I have strength. By me kings reign and princes decree justice. By me princes rule and nobles even the judges of the earth. I love them that love me and those that seek me early shall find me. Riches and honor are with me, yea, durable riches and righteousness. That's integrity. My fruit is better than gold, yea, than fine gold, and my revenue than choice silver. I lead in the way of righteousness and in the midst of the path of judgment, that I may cause those who love me to inherit substance. And I will fill their treasures. So God wants to pour forth into your heart. In fact, if we go on, he says, Before the foundation, he says, The Lord possessed me in the beginning of his way, before his works were of old. I was set up from everlasting, from the beginning or ever before the earth was. Where there were no depths, which means before God, Everything we see that's created came as a result of this wisdom and this understanding God wants to pour on the inside of you. Through which witty inventions will come out. He will option up your eyes. That's the inheritance he's talking about. He says, if your eye, the light of the body is the eye. In other words, if your open the eyes of a person, you have enlightened, which means very soon the entire life of that person will be radiating with light. You will come, if you open the eyes of a person today, in six months, people are going to come and say, what caused all of this transformation that is there? And it tells us that this is God's reward for going about your labor in a certain way. With inventions, recognition of opportunities within the environment. Through which you inherit substance. The roots of everything. The cause, not the effect. You are now in contact with the same material that God himself uses to get things done. You can never fail again at anything you do. This is the reward, all right, of mercy that comes upon the life of a person. Let's look at Psalm 13, which means it enlightens your eyes. Psalm 13, verse 1. He says, how long will you forget me, O Lord, forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart? Which means when people, I says, and, and how long shall my enemy be exalted over me? So, so what he's telling us is, uh, when a person is worried about something and, 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 you are, and, and you don't know the way out, it's because you are advising your own self. You're taking counsel from your soul. And your soul, not that there's no way out, but inside your soul, your mind, there's nothing in your past, there's no knowledge that you have that can get you out of that situation. Consider and hear me. Hear what David prayed. Oh Lord my God, Lighten my eyes. That's what he's saying. Which means, if you open my eyes, I will get out of any situation. He didn't say just deliver me. He said, lighten my eyes. A person can work and earn a living. And that person in their own family can have so many terrible things going on that they can't solve. That takes away the joy of even the material substance they have that they get home and they are in deep. So God says, I want to reward you with things that are beyond material substance. You will receive enlightenment there on every subject matter going on. Can you imagine being confronted with an issue? People, and you come out with a witty invention. Something comes out of your heart that, look, if you do it this way, you're going to solve this problem. God says, I will bless you with eyes that see. Now look at the conclusion of this. It says, It says here, consider and hear me. It says, Lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I've prevailed against them, and those that trouble me rejoice when I'm moved. But I have trusted in thy mercy. In other words, what will the mercy of God do? The mercy of God will lighten my eyes. That's why it says, Our eyes wait upon thee, O Lord, until in your mercy you enlighten us. Our eyes receive light. You come to see there is nothing going on around you, no situation you can't solve the holy spirit begins to bless you with rare wisdom and insight he says this is the reward you get witty inventions come out people that brought out witty inventions it wasn't that any person came, they, they just the, the, the thoughts came to them and it comes from somewhere witty inventions can you imagine i mean the top 10 companies wealthy companies in the world today 20 years ago they were not even in existence facebook companies like maybe even if amazon was there it was just all right i mean, these things 20 30 years ago none of them was in existence With inventions i mean you think about this zoom zoom which is which is which is is just what you call um, Zoom is, is now, it's almost like a device, a, a provision in the cloud, which is just out there, that through which people now have business meetings, all right, through videos, where, where they can talk to one another, interact and have conferences and do things and well, do all of that. That company, today, because of the experience of COVID-19, That company is more valuable today. It's a witty invention. It's more valuable today on the stock exchange market of New York than the seven top airlines in America combined. I didn't say each one, combined. In other words, you take their wealth and you combine their wealth. Delta Airlines, American Airlines, Southwest, you combine. Now, we are talking about. Companies that have planes, Airbuses, Boeing 747s, all right, that have massive offices, that employ people all over the world, that have physical infrastructure on this earth. We are saying that Zoom, which is just in the clouds, is more valuable in terms of worth than these seven things combined together. That's a witty invention that has produced wealth. This is something that just came into existence. We are talking about airlines that have been in existence since when commercial flights started going out. All right? And it has... Now, that's a witty. And God says, in the course of your duty, witty inventions are going to come out. I will bless you with wisdom and bless you with knowledge. So let's look at this scripture in Isaiah 30 from verse 15. We're talking about God coming through to bless you with his own reward. Isaiah 30 from verse 15. He says, For thus saith the Lord God, for in returning and in rest shall you be saved. You know, a young man can get into a lot of money and simply because if he starts working somewhere, he doesn't have God's mercy on his life, gets a lot of money. And because of the lots of money that he got, he attracted the wrong types of people into his life, including the person he married. Let's just say this. That brought so much trouble to his soul And almost destroyed his entire existence. And also for the woman. She, because of her success, she draws in a a man that is greedy and completely abusive. Now, but if you also understand the role of mercy, and that mercy comes upon your soul and opens your eyes, then you are not going to make any decision. That's why it's called the true riches. Any decision that will hurt or damage you because you will see into the souls of those people. And by the wisdom of God, understand that this decision I'm about to make is a costly decision to my future. So if you're just looking at material rewards, all right, into your life, it can bring problems. The mercy of God comes in. That's why the Bible says the prosperity of a foolish man, which means somebody whose eyes are not opened will destroy him. Now, let's just look at this here. Verse 15. For thus said the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and in rest shall you be saved. In quietness and in confidence shall be your strength, but you will not. Now, I want to look at the effect of mercy as I bring this to a close. For He says, it's not of him that runneth, of him that weedeth, but it's of God that sheweth mercy. I said this, you have artisans, all right, Uh, I mean, if you are, if, if, uh, I mean, they say it in Yoruba, so I won't say the word they, they say, but, but, you know, if you go and meet an artisan and he's doing work for you and you tell the person, look, maybe he gives you uh, a price list. and say, look, you're trying to cheat me. You're trying to cheat me. And, and you are negotiating. And then they always say this, even though they might be lying from both sides of their mouth. But they always say this. But there's truth in what they're saying. That is not this little profit I will make. There's truth in it. Little profit that I will make from adding something. All right. To this costs. That's not what is going to give me my destiny and cause me to have a breakthrough in life. Then they will say, it is God's mercy that rests upon whatever you are doing that can cause, which is true. It's the mercy of God that rests, that can bring about. The only problem is, they might just be used, saying that I think they were taught that from previous generations that may have been very honest in their dealings. So he says this, Isaiah 13, Return and in rest shall you be saved in quietness and in confidence shall be your strength, you will not. But he said, no, we will flee upon horses, therefore shall you flee. We will run upon the swift. In other words, we will run around, we'll hustle. Therefore, they that pursue you, the end of it will be, will be this. One thousand shall flee at the rebuke of one, and at the rebuke of five shall you flee until you be left as a beacon on the top of a mountain, as an ensign upon a hill. Therefore will the Lord wait that he may be gracious unto thee. In other words, God is in a consecrated state of desiring to pour his grace into your life. He's waiting. He's waiting. It is all, He says in returning and in rest, putting your trust in that mercy. He's waiting for you to honor what his grace and mercy can do. He says... For he wait that he may be gracious. Therefore will he be exalted, that he may have mercy upon you. For the Lord is a God of judgment, blessed are they that wait for him. There's a scripture that says, Many seek the prince's favor by doing things in front of them, but every man's judgment comes out of God. He says that he may have mercy upon you, for the Lord is a God of judgment, and blessed are those people that are looking for that judgment. And that mercy. Now, look at what he says: For the people shall dwell in Zion at Jerusalem. Thou shall weep no more. But he'll be very gracious, which means he's waiting that he may be gracious unto thee. And that grace now starts coming at the voice of your cry. So, when you understand that, let me go to God now in prayer. He says, "Gracious at the voice of the cry, when he will hear it, he will answer thee." And then he says, Though the Lord give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, yet shall not what your teachers be removed into a corner anymore, but your eyes shall see your teachers. Now what's he saying here? When you cry unto God in that situation there, you'll be running around doing several things out of your own mind. It's not working. Not producing results. Then you go up and you cry unto him and he will be gracious unto they at the voice of your cry. And he says, your eyes will be open and you'll see your teachers. What are they bringing? Strategic information into your soul. This this wisdom knowledge here. And he sells us this. And you will hear a word behind this saying, this is the way to go. Walk in it. And it will bring a total change. And he goes and says, then shall he give the rain of thy seed, which you sow the ground, and the bread of the increase of the earth. It shall be fat and plenteous. And he tells us in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 22, it speaks about servants here. He says, be obedient, all right? Do what you are told by your earthly masters. Be obedient to your earthly masters according to the flesh. So he was talking to people who had a form of service that way that was master, all right? And and what's almost servitude back then. But he speaks to, Um, what we do every day in our lives, our vocational calling, that which we are involved with. And he says, obey them in all things according to the flesh, not with eye service. Uh, We all understand what eye service is, but as men please us. So don't just do it, uh, all right, with eye service, which means you think that all of the work that I'm doing here, um, I have to make men see it and do it before them. I can act otherwise at the back. Uh, but play office politics, almost like that, in front of the boss. He's there. He says, but with singleness of heart, which means consistency, no duplicity in that which you are doing. Uh, Right? You are consistent. It's it's the same person we meet when nobody's watching, where uh, uh, everybody's left the office. The same person. When people are around and when people are not around, you are exactly the same person. He says here, singleness of heart, fearing God, and whatsoever you do, do it heartily with all of your heart. Put your heart into it. He says, as to the Lord and not honor to men, knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the eternal inheritance because you are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. So put all of your heart into what you're doing. Okay? Everything you do in your vocational calling in that space are things that you do or services that you render or products that you, you make available to people. And it's always for the benefit of people, always. Any form of work is directed towards improving the lives of people by rendering certain services to them or delivering products to them in order to grant or give them a pleasurable experience on this earth or to improve the quality of their lives on this earth. And so, a person acquires skill and knowledge to be able to deliver this product and offer these services. Now, in exchange for that, People part with material substance in exchange for the service or the product which only that person or group of people who are trained in that particular way can offer society. Right? Now, then the profits that the person makes out of the product and the services that you have rendered, first thing is, it has to be done in integrity which means the exact value that was promised that individual, when you made known to that individual, all right, uh, made known to him or her about that service or product, you must make sure in integrity that product and service at le- in the least matches that which was promised to that person. And if you're doing it right, it should exceed the promise that you made to that individual. So you are doing it with an in integrity. You are delivering something that people can rely on. And it's an act of love because what you have done is to give that person something. He parted ways with some material substance, but what you have delivered into the hands of that person should be able to produce, in some cases, much more than that person has actually given in exchange for it. So it gives that person a tool or a product to be able to produce much more or creates an experience of pleasure and delight in the heart of that person that, right, just by themselves, they will not have been able to experience that. Now, the individual who now receives that material substance then takes this material substance now and then decides again in an act of love. This is how you get into the stream of God, all right? What can I do with this particular material substance to bring greatest benefits to humanity? The first responsibility of that individual through the profit that has been made, all right, through that product or service, is to the family of that person. First responsibility under God. In other words, I must secure my family and make sure members of my family through this, that is your first act of love unto God first act of love, to secure. That's why the scripture says, he that will not provide for his own, especially those of his household, is worse than an infidel and has denied the faith. So some of the profits that comes out of that must be used first for all right, the family of that person to secure. And then the greatest form of charity that you can offer to society is to now create, with the resources you have in abundant measure, create, all right, an environment where it becomes possible for more people to get into labor and reproduce the type of success that you have. And then the last rung of the ladder there is just to give financial handouts to people that are in desperate situations where they need safety nets within their life. But money must never be used to enable in people laziness. In other words, they believe that since I am in relationship with you, therefore, all right, so long as you remain productive on this earth, I don't have to do anything because I can always leverage of that which you have in your hands. If you do that and create people with entitlement mentality, you are going to have a bunch of people in your lives you will never be able to satisfy. All right, they will demand more and the more you give to them, in fact, the more you give to them, the impression you create inside their heart is that this person has limitless resources and look at what they are giving to me and they will begin to get disgruntled. So, the understanding is, all right, after you've provided for your family adequately, that you create opportunities for those who want to work. All right, that's how investment started upon the earth. That's where it came from. It was out of compassion for people to create opportunities for more people to go into labor. And then the third is to help people who have emergencies within their life, who have fallen into desperate situations, which is a one-off thing, not something where you are going to sustain somebody in a life of laziness. That's why Paul said, he that will not work, he gave them that commandment, if you provide an opportunity for a person to work and that person wills not to work, he says, let that person not eat. You can't support somebody If you have given the person an opportunity to work and they refuse, all right, to do that. Now, let's move on here. So it says this here, not with eye service, but as unto the Lord. It says this, and whatsoever you do, you do heartily as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance. So I want to talk about this reward of the inheritance. And I want to quickly show in scripture what this reward of this inheritance means today. We find in the book of Psalm 123 and this should be the attitude of that person and it's this reward of this inheritance that comes on the inside or is bestowed upon you when you go about your labor in a certain way, looking unto God as the source of the work and the one who will reward you adequately in his justice system. You receive this inheritance. Now, what does this inheritance mean? Does it mean that in the place of labor, you're going to receive landed properties? Does it mean in the place of labor, that's not what he's talking about? He's speaking about something in particular. To build up to that point, let's look at Psalm 123. Psalm 123. And And he tells us this in Psalm 123 verse 1. Unto thee lift I up my eyes, O Lord, that dwelleth in the heaven. Behold, the eyes of servants look to the hand of their masters. That's why they do things with eye service, as men pleasers. Because it's the hand of men they're looking to. And then it tells us the eyes of maidens to the hand of her mistress. It says, so our eyes wait upon thee, O Lord, until you have mercy upon us. So our eyes are upon thee until what happens is you have mercy upon us. So this mercy, let me just say this. The first dimension of it, it's going to be a rare blessing that is going to come to your eyes. Because your eyes are waiting to see the mercy of God upon your life. Now, I will describe in scripture a situation where the mercy of God was bestowed upon a person. And you realize that when mercy comes upon you as God's reward for what you are doing, it opens up the space of your life to what literally we're going to call um, um, the the vestation of God or the Miraculous power of God that comes in very practical terms to what you're doing. But it tells us that the reward is going to be this eternal inheritance. That's what this reward is going to be. Now, what's this inheritance here? This inheritance that he wants to give. First of all, I'll quote three scriptures. Let's look at Luke chapter, I want you to see this. Luke chapter 16 and verse 11. Jesus himself said, If therefore you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who shall commit to your trust the true riches? Now, so when a person goes to work, it says you are going to receive material things from whoever employs you. Or if you are an employer of labor, you give material things to person. But that God, if you go about it in a certain way, before the eyes of God, which makes you treat that particular thing that you are doing, and there's an extra commitment that you bring to it, where you are doing it with the whole of your heart. And in that type of person, there's a work ethic that is developed where the person goes the extra mile. And, and and they go beyond even that which is demanded or asked of them. So when they are even rendering any work to their clients or customers, they even go beyond what the client or customer may have asked for because they are doing it with the whole of their heart. So they put their heart into it. There is a spirit of excellence that goes into what they're doing. And why are they doing that? Because their heart is involved. And that dimension there, which is even beyond the demands of people, God looks upon that and says, I'm going to reward you with the eternal inheritance. Now, this eternal inheritance, Jesus spoke and said, if you are faithful in the unrighteous mammon, he says, if you are unfaithful in that, who shall give you the true riches? So there is something different from, the point I want to bring here, the monetary benefits that are given unto you. God says in the midst of that thing, I'm going to give you what I've called the true riches. And the true riches is the eternal inheritance that he was speaking about. You say, why am I saying this? How do I know? He says in Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. That the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened. Remember we said mercy comes to the eyes. First manifestation. The eyes of your understanding may be enlightened. So what God does as he rewards you in that place you labor with his mercy is that light comes into your eyes. You see beyond the ordinary. There is a recognition of opportunity. You begin to see things that others are not seeing. Now, you are locked up to God, we've taught this, in a system where you have put your trust in God and made him your source for the reward of these true riches that no man can give to you. So you are serving him and if you do something, and you, you, you look at it and say, well, I can put this material into this car. I can put this material into this car. I might lose maybe my profit by 1%. But this will make this person more comfortable in what they are doing. And he will enjoy this. And you'll have more pleasure using this particular thing with this material. Then the Holy Spirit nudges you and because you know you'll be rewarded by God you put that in in that way you are faithful with the unrighteous mammon and i, I don't want to spend too much time on that because you have even allowed a 1% all right decrease in your profitability there in order because of something that God placed on your heart that my creature will feel better and enjoy life more if you did this. So there's that compassion you bring to it, which is really the substance of the work ethic that always tends towards satisfactory progress on this earth. Now, he rewards that in his mercy. And your eyes that have been looking for that mercy Mercy makes contact with your eyes. I will say this. The eyes of your understanding or your mind will be enlightened. To be enlightened means it opens it up. It means the blindfold is removed. It means there are things all around you that you haven't seen. That mercy comes and opens your eyes to see things. That you may know what is the hope of your calling. Of his calling. Which means, in the midst of that work, you will discover what your real life assignment is. Uh, You may have said, well, I just went to school and I read a particular course. I went to this and learned a particular skill. I'm not sure whether this, but in the midst of applying that, you will come to discover what you are really supposed to do on this earth. From, it will evolve from that particular thing. Then the second thing, which is where I'm getting to, you will know what. The riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. So this inheritance is, the Bible calls it, the riches of the glory. The wealth of that inheritance. So he describes the inheritance as riches there. Now it's not material wealth. He gives you another form of wealth which is what Jesus described in Matthew there. As if you are faithful in the unrighteous mammon, which is money, then God will give you the true riches. What is the true riches that he will give to you? That riches there, the wealth there is his inheritance he has bestowed upon you. A closer look at this, to what this wealth is, we get to Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 8, and it tells us in verse 13. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil pride, arrogance, and evil way forward, mal do I hate? Then it says this, alright? If we back up, it tells us, from verse 1, Doth not wisdom cry, and understanding put out her voice? She standeth in the top of high places, by the way in the places of the path. She crieth at the gates, at the entry of the city, Unto unto you, O men, I call, and my voice is to the sons of men. Then he says, O ye simple, understand wisdom. Ye fools, be of an understanding heart. Hear, for I will speak excellent things, and the opening of my lips shall be right things. Then it goes, all the words of my mouth are righteousness, there's nothing forward nor perverse in them. Then verse 10, receive my instruction. This is wisdom, and not silver as material substance. Knowledge rather than choice gold. So he starts telling us what those riches are: wisdom and knowledge. And it tells us they are more all right, valuable than choice, it didn't just say gold, choice gold and silver. It says, for wisdom is better than rubies. So we are seeing what this inheritance is going to be. That God is going to give you as his reward for you going about your work in a certain way. For wisdom is better than rubies, and all things that may be desired in this life cannot be compared unto her. For he goes on and says, I, wisdom, dwell with prudence and find out the knowledge of witty inventions. And we're getting close to it. So he's going to pour all this riches, which is his wisdom, into your soul, where you're going to come up with witty inventions. Your eyes are going to be opened. You are going to start seeing things nobody else around you sees. And because of the recognition of those things, you are going to come out with new ideas, new ways of doing things, witty inventions. Then he goes on and says this. Hear what he's saying here. Cancel is mine, sound wisdom, I am understanding. I have strength. By me kings reign and princes decree justice. By me princes rule and nobles even the judges of the earth. I love them that love me and those that seek me early shall find me. Riches and honor are with me, yea, durable riches and righteousness. That's integrity. My fruit is better than gold, yea, than fine gold, and my revenue than choice silver. I lead in the way of righteousness and in the midst of the path of judgment, that I may cause those who love me to inherit substance. And I will fill their treasures. So God wants to pour forth into your heart. In fact, if we go on, he says, Before the foundation, he says, The Lord possessed me in the beginning of his way, before his works were of old. I was set up from everlasting, from the beginning or ever before the earth was. Where there were no depths, which means before God, Everything we seek that's created came as a result of this wisdom and this understanding God wants to pour on the inside of you. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. To listen to the full message or any other message, please visit our website at www.insightsforliving.org. For any inquiries, please call 0818-600-0082. God bless you.